The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Ask Your Lawyer show. Uh, a bit of a surprise with myself hosting the show. Of course, uh, you're probably uh, normally used to uh, a few of our uh, local law firms, alhamdulillah. Uh, but today I have, uh, we have, I've got the pleasure to be speaking to one of uh, a, new, a new law firm, mashallah, that we'll be speaking to today. Uh, not new in the town, but new to Inspire FM and in particular uh, the Ask Your Lawyer show. Uh, and speaking about immigration itself today, of course, we've got an immigration expert with us. Listeners, you are listening to Inspire FM. It is the Ask Your Lawyer show. And of course, Ask Your Lawyer is exactly that. You can ask the lawyer any questions. Uh, unfortunately, this is a pre-recorded show, so we won't be able to have any live questions answered. But if you do have any concerns raising from today's uh, show, then of course, do of course send us a message on 0777948822. Or you can, of course, uh, also uh, send us uh, an email, info at inspirefm.org, and we will try our best to assist, inshallah. Uh, before we go into our topic, let me welcome our guest. Of course, this is uh, Greystone Solicitors, of course, are coming in today. Our dear brother Zafar Iqbal from Greystone Solicitors. Uh, would you like to, uh, firstly, welcome to Inspire Film. Thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, just want to give a, a bit of an introduction to yourself and, and Greystone Solicitors before we go into the topic. So if you maybe give the listeners a little bit of history about where uh, and when Greystone Solicitors came around uh, and a little bit of history about yourself and, and your uh, your legal career, so to speak. Yeah. Um, my name is Zafrik Bell. Uh, I'm the director and head of immigration at Greystone Solicitors. Uh, we started in 2018 and, and with me and my partner, Bilal, and uh, we've grown now. Um, we started off with just doing immigration and personal injury, uh, but now we've, um, uh, we've got a convincing department, family department, uh, personal negligence, personal injury, uh, and immigration. And, and We've grown. We about over thirty people now, oh, uh, sure. and and um, we um, we provide other services apart from immigration. Um, I and my department is immigration. Excellent. Oh, sounds amazing, mashallah. Yeah. Uh, and when did Greystone Listers start? In twenty eighteen, we started. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. That's a lot of growth in five years, mashallah. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. And well done for for that, mashallah. And you yourself, your. Uh, the uh, your uh, immigration expert is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, I've, I've uh, dealt with all immigration matters. Represent people in court for the last um, twelve years um, in the first tier tribunal and upper tribunal uh, in cases asylum in all immigration cases. Excellent, Mashallah. Uh, we'll go to we'll go through uh, in particular today. Uh, we're looking at a couple of different uh, entry visas, in particular the spouse visa and a visitor's visa. But before we go into that, in your many years of, of doing immigration, uh, has immigration changed much, would you say, the rules and regulations and stuff? And then, uh, what would your kind of general kind of uh, look be on immigration itself? It, it has changed a lot. Uh, over the years, a um, lot of appeal rights have been withdrawn. Um, the, you, you might have seen on the t TV the uh, illegal immigration bill um, where the government uh, was attempting to send people to Rwanda. Uh, mm. That was challenged. So uh, at this moment, um, the immigration, um, it, it, the Home Office have made things very, very strict for immigrants. Okay, yeah. well, what happened about that? Did anybody actually... Get sent to Rwanda? Or was that uh, just no, no. The flights. Um, I mean, the solicitors are challenged. There was four four clients, uh, and they were challenged in the high court, and the high court stopped it. Uh, and then, uh, then the case continued, and the the uh, high court decided that uh, you know it was. Um, it was unlawful and uh, so um, I think uh, the government have said that they're going to try that again and, and take it through. Uh, what it is is they want to uh, send the asylum seekers to Rwanda so their um, um, cases are going to be processed there. Rwanda has, doesn't have a uh, a very good human rights uh, um, uh, laws there. So therefore, um, we feel that um, the asylum seekers will not uh, get uh, the full representation. Mm. So they, uh, the government said they're going to try that again. Um, yeah, okay. and, yeah, so Excellent. Good to know, listeners. Yeah. Of course, uh, good to have an expert with us. Of course, uh, sometimes we do uh, veer off the topic, but of course that's the, uh, the, the, the the benefit of having an expert with us. Uh, of course, today we are going to be speaking about, uh, in the first half of the show, 
uh, spousal entry clearance visas uh, and the various different requirements. Uh, like I said before, if you have any questions, if you have any concerns, if you have any particular, of course, uh, you may be on personal circumstances uh, which require a, a specific answer to one of these questions, uh, you're more than welcome to, of course, contact us here on Inspire FM, and we can put you through to, uh, to of course, Brother Zafar and Great Sons Sisters, uh, and you can get uh, the actual answer to your question, or you can email in to us, email in to us, info at inspirefm.org, and we can, of course, forward it uh, to, uh, to, of course, Brother Zafar. Uh, so going back on to today's topic, uh, in the first half, we are going to be speaking about spouse entry clearance visa. Uh, now, in general terms, I assume that is when somebody get, goes to uh, from this country to another country, whether it's Pakistan, India, or any of these countries, uh, gets married and uh, tries to bring their spouse over to this country. Is that is that in essence what it is? Yes, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and just before we go into the actual requirements itself, uh, I know this used to be, uh, I would say, uh, obviously we, we've been doing uh, our Rishta networking events and find, and various different events that we've been doing. We're finding this is, uh, for a lot of our families, uh, less of an option, I would say, that because of, uh, we find that a lot of our families are finding their children wanting to get married here and, and maybe making their own choices, maybe even uh, being of the, the, the parents themselves being second, third generation here not necessarily finding that an option. What, what's your kind of, obviously, in your profession, are you finding that it's still the case? There's a lot of spousal visas being requested. What's it's, the kind of uptake at the moment? Uh, I mean, going back 10 years, it might have been more, but even now there are a lot of uh, spouse visas, applications we make. Um, just be, uh, uh, just uh, um, before we go ahead with this, I just want to point out that uh, Greystone solicitors, uh, they provide uh, free drop-in surgeries on right. Friday after Juma uh, to organisations like Red Cross to anybody to to Citizen Advice Bureau. So, if anybody wanted advice in any uh, uh, immigration or family matter, please drop in. It's free and it's good to get legal advice. I mean, we get a lot of people their visas are refused because their friends said mm -hmm. do it like this. So, uh, you know, I just want to uh, you know uh, add that that they are welcome. Uh, there's no appointments, uh, so uh, you drop in and then you will be provided free advice. Uh, so, yeah, um, going back to the. Uh, um, uh, to the spouse visa. Yes, we, we do get. And the issue here is a lot of people don't know the requirements. So mm. there are a lot of refusals as well. And it's very costly uh, just applying for the spouse visa. So it's very important uh, that we get the requirements right. Yeah, Excellent. So yeah. And just back on to the free advice you mentioned yeah. uh, on Juma, just for our, uh, yeah. uh, maybe our, our English listeners or other listeners who are not aware of Juma, yeah. it's the day of Friday, okay. it's after the Friday prayers, and is there a particular time? That yeah, it's, it's 2 to 6, so um, oh, afternoon 2 to 6, anybody drops in, first come, first uh, seen, but I mean, I mean they can wait there, and then we will see them, provide them free, free advice. We do, I mean, if there's anything urgent, we do provide free advice other days as well, but that's through phoning us, making an appointment and then free advice would be provided. We get a lot of uh, um, charity. I myself um, advise uh, um, uh, uh, have a free surgery with Red Cross every two weeks. Um, with the um, you know we we, we uh, uh, advise other organisations um, like Women Aid. Um, I advise. Um, ethnic forum uh, um, uh, in Hitchin um, every two weeks. So we, we are giving a lot back to the community, uh, you know, at their centres, but we do have uh, this free drop-in surgeries. So, uh, you know, through your radio, I want the listeners to make full use of it, um, take the free advice, there's no cost, and, and it is legal. And mm -hmm. I mainly, uh, and another senior solicitor, provide the advice. So, uh, yes, um, you know, it is two to six. Uh, and, and family as well, they provide that wise two to six as well. Excellent. Yeah. And, and um, I've got to reiterate, listeners, this is extremely important. I was actually listening to a show yesterday. Uh, we take a, uh, it's actually uh, an immigration show we take from uh, 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 Unity FM in Birmingham. And one of the brothers there is mentioning how uh, somebody uh, was applying for, I'm not sure what type of visa it was, somebody was applying for a visa. Uh, they ended up making the wrong application uh, be due to the advice of uh, some solicitors, I believe. But uh, And then they were told that they uh, they were promised that the visa would happen. And then they were told that they needed to go through some uh, appeal process and then a further appeal. So effectively, they went. They ended up doing about four or five different things, costing them the region of twenty three to £24,000. 
uh, and still having no visa at the end of it because they were ill-informed. So I think extreme, it's extremely important to have, I mean, we're very fortunate to have brothers like Abu Zafar and, of course, uh, Greystone solicitors. And free advice, mashallah, listeners, in this day and age, uh, there's no such thing as free, unfortunately, for many things. So to be able to get free legal advice, which is, again, and their time is very expensive, uh, I'm sure they've got a lot of things to do. So thank you for offering that to the community. Uh, and I do recommend everybody out there, if you're in need of advice, whether it's immigration, whether it's family, with this, of course, personal injury, they've got a number of different, of course, uh, uh, different areas which they specialize in. Please do contact uh, and, of course, pop down, pop down to Greystone Solicitors uh, on Dunstable Road, of course, every Fridays, 2 p.m. to 6. And there's a big window as well, 2 to 6. I thought it would be 2 to 3, to be honest, but 2 to 6, yeah, a huge afternoon window to pop in for that free advice. Uh, coming back to our topic of spouse entry clearance visa. Uh, as you mentioned, again, still uh, a popular route for many to, to come into the country. Uh, there are six requirements, uh, as you mentioned before. Uh, what, what exactly are those requirements? And if you can maybe just go through them one by one. Abazar. Yep. Yep. Uh, the first requirement is the status of the sponsoring spouse in the UK. Uh, what that is, is uh, that the sponsoring spouse must be settled in the UK. Uh, for example, British citizen, a person with the indefinite leave to remain, uh, a person with settled status, um, person with a um, um, humanitarian protection or asylum, uh, the, and, and they are the people that are able to apply for their spouses. Uh, now, um, we've had, I've seen few refusals where people have applied for their spouses uh, where uh, they didn't have settled status, they had leave to remain. Mm. And because they didn't have the information and maybe the advice wasn't correct that they can apply. And when they did apply, spend all the money was refused because they can't come under the category because the, the spouse, sponsoring spouse is not settled in the UK. Very important. Is there a requirement on the number of years for that, for that person to be here? Or? No, no. Once they get a settled status or they are uh, a British citizen or uh, they got um, settled st uh, indefinite leave to remain, they have gone through the immigration process to get that. So um, um, there's no once they have that settled status or once they are British citizen or once they have indefinite leave to remain or um, asylum, uh, um, uh, they, they've claimed asylum, they've got refugee status, they, there's no waiting, then they can apply. Okay, then they're, yeah, they're settled. Uh, so that is the first requirement, listeners, yeah. very important. I think this is, I think one of the most important things I think we need to remember with this, uh, as you mentioned, I think you've touched upon a couple of times is, if you make the wrong application, not having the, the met the requirements, it is going to be a waste of your money. Uh, and unfortunately, as you mentioned, it is quite expensive. We will go through uh, the finances uh, in a short while as well as to as the cost of the, one, one of these particular visas. Uh, but so this is why I think these requirements are extremely important. So we're actually going to go through these, these requirements in, in quite detail because we want to make sure that the listeners are firstly aware of the requirements. Uh, and, and be clear on the requirements because it's very important to make sure that you meet the requirements otherwise it will be a situation where it will be a waste of your time a waste of your money uh, and unfortunately uh, it, it will result in the, 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 the application itself being rejected because uh, you simply did not meet the requirements so uh, status of the sponsoring spouse in the UK has to be uh, a settled of course, a, a, a status, status. Uh, whether you're a British citizen or whether you've got some sort of a settlement visa, uh, leave to remain again does not qualify. I think it's very important to remember that if you're not settled yourself, uh, I think it quite, it's qu quite common sense to make sure that you can't obviously uh, uh, apply for somebody else. There's no restriction on the number of years. So whether you've been here uh, 10 years or 20 years or 30 years makes no difference. It's on the status of your visa. Uh, now, second requirement is the relationship requirement. W yeah. What is that about? Uh, that is um, that you have to be in a genuine and subsisting relationship with your spouse. Now, the genuine relationship part is that, that you were over 18, uh, uh, b both of the parties, uh, you have married, uh, you got a marriage certificate, you married in a country according to their law and the marriage is valid. Uh, and then the subsisting part is the actual, your contact with your spouse. Um, for example, um, your WhatsApp messages, your call logs, um, the visits you made to see your spouse, uh, the relationship is carrying on. Uh, these are the requirements, but there are documentary evidence you have to submit uh, um, um, for this requirement. For the first part, uh, the genuine uh, relationship part, uh, it'll be a marriage certificate, um, it'll be wedding photographs. Uh, that part, 
will show that the marriage uh, um, uh, was carried out according to the law of that country. Then the subsisting part, um, I mean, you can uh, send uh, screenshots of your um, WhatsApp messages, um, call logs, um, the the uh, visits if you've um, been to see uh, your spouse, uh, and if you've spent any money, um, money transfer receipts. Now, if the relationship uh, uh, has subsisted for a long time, then the Home Office expect additional uh, um, documentation to establish if this is a genuine marriage. Now, the problem here is, um, and I've seen uh, uh, this happen, is that uh, the people t uh, um, uh, making the application, um, they feel, uh, or they haven't been advised properly, that they only need the marriage certificate and the wedding photographs. No. Mm. Uh, the subsisting part is very important. If the marriage is not carrying on i mean if the marriage is um you know existed for five years and you uh, haven't sent the evidence to prove that you've been in contact then the home office are likely to refuse that and if they have doubts they can um, ask for additional documents they can conduct a marriage interview uh, to establish if this is a genuine uh, marriage um and even in courts, I mean, I've represented people where there was issues with the relationship part. Um, and a lot of people are, uh, that I've represented weren't aware that they had to uh, send these um, evidence. They've thought, um, you know, in their opinion or been ad they were advised that uh, marriage and marriage photographs are good enough. Now, they might be, you know, good enough if you married a month ago because they want but if you married five years ago then uh, you know they they want to see the marriage is subsisting because okay your marriage it was a genuine marriage you married according to the law of the country um you sent for wedding photographs but who knows the 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 marriage is subsisting so it's your responsibility to make sure that you uh, uh, submit evidence of this with your application Excellent. Yep. Oh, very yep. important. Yep. Also, I think just one of the things I, we're going to touch upon, uh, we've already uh, been quite a well uh, way into the show and we've got uh, four requirements still to yep. go through. Yep. Uh, you mentioned regarding proving that this was a genuine uh, marriage uh, and this could be done regarding the, the law of the country. So if, say, for example, the marriage took place somewhere in Pakistan and it was, it was, it was, it was uh, according to the Muslim law, yep. Uh, a nikah is that uh, the yep. document is that valid? Is yep. that something that's acceptable? Yep, that's valid. I mean, uh, if you've registered the marriage of Nadra, then you can provide uh, a marriage certificate. And that marriage certificate is usually half in English and half in Urdu. Mm -hmm. But if you uh, don't want to do that, you can uh, uh, provide a translated uh, nikah nama uh, with the original one and a translated one, and that's acceptable. Okay, so, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Uh, so listeners, of course, uh, uh, we are speaking to our dear Zafar from Greystone Solicitors. You're listening to the Ask Your Lawyer show. Uh, we are talking about spouse entry clearance visa requirements. Uh, so spouse entry clearance visa requirements. If you have any questions, 015824822, text WhatsApp 0779481822. Uh, and of course, any specific requirements or questions you have, uh, you can email us info at inspirefilm.org. And as Razafa mentioned before, if you want some free legal advice, every Fridays from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., uh, Greystone Solicitors on Dumpsborough Road will provide free legal advice. Uh, now moving on to the third requirement, Razafa, uh, financial requirement. So financial requirement, what, what's the yeah. current financial requirement? Yeah. Well, uh, the, the current financial requirement, the threshold is 18,600, uh, the spouse uh, uh, the sponsoring spouse must be earning that. Now, this is a very important uh, and a difficult requirement to meet, uh, especially for people who are uh, on a low salary. Um, the 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 requirement uh, eighteen thousand six hundred you can evidence by uh, employment, salaried or unsalaried, uh, by self-employment, uh, by rental income, uh, by having. Uh, 62 and a half thousand pounds saving uh, for six months. Now, every uh, um, um, scenario um, uh, that that I've mentioned, you need specified documents. You've got to evidence that. Now, for example, if you were employed, they want to see six months bank statements, six months pay slips, and a letter from employer evidencing that you've started your salaries 18,600 per annum, but you have to evidence for the six months. Now, for self-employment, uh, it's a year. Uh, it's April to April or uh, according to your tax year if you're a company. Um, there, there are additional documents for that, um, for self-employment, for example, uh, 
profit and loss accounts, a letter from uh, the accountant, um, your SA302, uh, your tax calculations, your tax returns. So there are additional documents for uh, self-employment. Uh, with rental income, uh, there's uh, there's documents that you own the property uh, and the rental income has been coming into your account for 12 months. Uh, the savings, um, the £62,500, they have to be in your account for six months minimum. Then you don't need to show employment, self-employment or anything. You can rely on that. Uh, and the specified documents are th on, on this requirement are very, very important. Um, I have recently seen a refusal where what ha actually happened, um, um, I, I think uh, they the, the client wasn't advised properly. Uh, they've submitted six months payslips, six months bank statement and a letter from employer. But the only problem there was their wages, the, the last payslip, their wages went in two days after they'd submitted the application. Now, the Home Office could have used discretion and let it go, but because of the restriction, they said, no, your wages, uh, your last wages went in two days later. At the time of submitting the application, you didn't meet the rules, and they refused it. Now, uh, I mean, two days, the person could have waited. Now, had he been advised, because the Home Office are strict, you can't take chances and say, okay. I mean, they knew the wages was gonna come in because uh, the payslip was there. But because he wasn't there, and that's the requirement, they refused it. Now, the person, when you paid about £3,000 uh, for a, a spouse entry clearance, approximately, uh, um, according to the exchange rate, it's a lot of money. So, uh, you know, it's very important. I mean, these requirements are, um, you can combine them. The requirements are met. You can combine uh, savings uh, with employment if you are earning less than 18600 and you've got savings. The, the, the savings anything above 16,000 pounds. Below 16,000 pounds, they won't count. So anything above 16,000 pounds, you have to divide by 2.5. So you've got to have a lot of savings to add on to. So that you can uh, you know, combine uh, these different uh, types of em employment or uh, savings. Or, yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, a very detailed uh, answer there, mashallah. I hope you guys, of course, have got all the details. And again, I think it just goes back to make sure that you do Double check, listeners. I think it's a very important. If your salary hasn't hit your account, uh, then just wait those couple of days because it's it's a lot of money, uh, of course, with the application. Uh, we're going what about three four minutes left before we go to the break. We may have to end up uh, taking one or two of these uh, requirements into the second half. Uh, we don't want to rush them just in case we miss uh, any important details. And of course, we've still got uh, the visa entry clearance, which we will hopefully cover on the. Uh, second uh, half of the show. Uh, so the the uh, and, and we're going through the spouse entry clearance visa requirements, listeners. So just in case any of you guys are wondering, what requirements are we talking about? It's the spouse entry clearing visa, and we're speaking to uh, Brother Zafar from, of course, Greystone Solicitors. Uh, we've looked at the status of the sponsoring spouse as the first requirement, the relationship requirement, the financial requirement, and now we're looking at accommodation. Suitable accommodation. What, what, what is deemed suitable? Uh, uh, yes. Um, uh, what you need for your, uh, you and your spouse, you need one bedroom, uh, uh, and that's enough. That's suitable. But the 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 uh, how you um, um, own the property or rent the property, you got to provide um, documentary evidence for that. And now, for example, that one bedroom, um, minimum one bedroom, that one bedroom could be rented, a property uh, could be mortgaged, uh, could be owned by yourself. Uh, you could be living with parents. Now, then if you're living parents, then you would have to provide a housing report, which would, uh, which would confirm that there'll be no overcrowding there. So they'll take how many people are living there, uh, how many people are allowed to live there uh, accor uh, um, according to the Overcrowding Act. So uh, then you would need a, a letter uh, from a um, letting agent or state agent or if you want the council to come and visit and, 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 and give you a letter that uh, what you got to evidence is how many people are living there uh, and um, you know your parents will provide a letter uh, that they, um, they don't have any issue with the spouse of their uh, son or daughter coming to live with them. Uh, and then they would have to provide their official copy, mortgage statement or whatever um, um, evidence for that suitable accommodation. 
Excellent. Yep. And in regards, uh, of course, just to have the requirement of the one room, could this be in shared accommodation? It could be, as long as you've got that double bedroom for you and your spouse, because that is allowed. Two people can live in a room. So it could be in shared. It could be you renting a uh, one bedroom. It could be you owning a flat. I mean, minimum is one bedroom, but if you had a uh, two bedroom house, it's, it's more than, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, that, that could be in shared. But if it is in a um, um, accommodation where there could be uh, um, 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 uh, overcrowding issues, then it's best to get a housing report. Excellent. Uh, just want to quickly remind the listeners you are listening to the Ask You Lewis show. It is, of course, uh, the uh, today's, of course, Ask You Lewis show is in particular around immigration. We've got one of our regular experts, uh, Brother Zafar Iqbal from Greystone Solicitors. We're talking about the spouse entry clearing the clearance visa. Unfortunately, we have uh, come to our time for our break, which uh, hopefully we're going to take right now. We're going through the six requirements, six requirements for a spouse entry clearance visa. Uh, we've gone through the first four uh, status of the sponsor, uh, sponsoring spouse, the relationship requirement, the financial requirement, mm-hmm. and just recently, Prozafra went through the accommodation requirements. We've got two more, uh, two more requirements to go through on the spouse entry visa, and on the other side of the break, we'll also be talking about the visitors visa and the various different, of course, uh, different, of course, requirements for that. Please do stay tuned with us if you have any questions. Again, as I mentioned, please WhatsApp zero triple seven nine. 481-822-0779-481-822. And of course, in regards to uh, sending us an email, if you have any specific questions, you can email us on info at inspirefm.org, info at inspirefm.org. Thank you so much for listening. Please do stay with us. We'll be back straight after this short break. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum listeners and welcome back to the Ask Your Lawyer show. Again, a uh, not the regular voice that you hear normally of your various different uh, legal experts here on uh, Inspire FM. Uh, but myself, Brother Tarek here with you guys. And But we do have a legal expert. Uh, I'm not going to be trying to give you legal advice myself uh, at all in any way. Uh, we have our legal expert. We have uh, Brother Zafar Iqbal, one of the directors uh, from Greystone Solicitors. Brother welcome back to Inspire FM and thank you for your time. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and today, listeners, we're, sp- we're speaking about spouse entry clearance visa. And this was the first half of the show. We've gone through a few requirements already. Uh, this uh, half of the show, we're going to finish off the requirements we were speaking about before, uh, before of course, uh, the break. And also uh, talk about the entry requirements for a visitor's visa, a visitor's visa. Uh, so just to quickly recap, a spouse entry clearance uh, visa has a six requirements. Six requirements. Uh, the first four we've gone through in detail. If you missed that, please go back to our Listen Live uh, and you can uh, listen back service and you can check it out on that. Go back to our Facebook Live and it will be on there as well and you can listen back to uh, the advice there. Uh, but Zafar did cover it in quite some detail, mashallah, so please do have a look at that. Uh, the first four requirements we looked at was the status of the sponsoring spouse the relationship requirement of the sponsoring spouse, uh, financial requirement, and of course the accommodation requirement, accommodation. Uh, Number five, uh, requirement number five is around English. Now, what's the English requirement, Zafar? Right. Uh, the English requirement is that you're able to speak and understand English. And the requirement, um, um, uh, to, uh, requirement the Home Office require is A1, uh, A1 English language test. Now, um, that has to be taken uh, uh, with a provider that is accredited uh, by the Home Office. Uh, now, it's just listening and speaking. Uh, it is at a very low level um, and you would have to pass it, but it has to be with a provider that is accredited with the Home Office. Very important. In the past, mm-hmm. some people have gone, I want to uh, uh, take A1 English. Uh, they've taken it, they've submitted uh, the certificate and the Home Office said, no, 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 this this is not, uh, you, you don't meet the requirements. So very important. I mean, there are, uh, um, it's on the internet, they can you know find out there are uh, uh, accredited providers all through uh, you know all around the world now another thing uh, uh, with this is that if you are from a majority English speaking country then you are exempt from it now the examples are 
Canada, America. There is a list there you can see. So if you are from all, all the Asian and, and, and uh, African countries are not exempt, but there are some countries so you can see the list. Uh, and then, um, you, uh, uh, you know, if you are not exempt, then you, then you require it. Majority, I mean, there, there are a couple of countries that are exempt because the majority uh, speaking, uh, English speaking. So you can see on the list of which are not exempt. Excellent. Yep. Uh, and this test, I assume, needs to be taken uh, prior to coming to this country, this needs to be taken in uh, a uh, in the country that you're coming from. Uh, yes, uh, and uh, it, it has to be taken there. And secondly, uh, uh, the um, uh, the certificate is valid for two years. So if you took it um, and you know for some reason uh, your spouse is not meeting the requirements and you you can't straight away apply for the case don't worry uh, it, it is valid for six months but it has to be taken there with a credit very important with a, uh, um, a center that is accredited by the home office uh, yes, and also uh, i remember uh, that there used to be some sort of a test that needs to be taken here once they come here is that still, uh, is that something separate or is that still right. around? Right. What happens, uh, th there is a test here, but not, not when you come here. What it is, is once you get a spouse visa, it's valid for two and a half years. After the two and a half years, when you're here, you have to apply for extension. And then you have to pass an A2 uh, step above that okay. for that. And then after five years, you can apply for indefinite leave to remain. Then you have to do life in the UK and be one. They're the harder tests. But then... That's the settlement. So it's a when they come, it's a five-year route. So you get two and a half years, and then the other two and a half years, you have to meet all the rules again, pay all the fees again, and then you get another two and a half years. And then once that's finished, then the, after five years, you can uh, you may apply for indefinite leave to remain. But for every uh, every time you make application, you have to meet the rules according to the application. So if you if you can't meet the indefinite leave to remain, uh, maybe you'll still have to carry on on the leave to remain. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Um, uh, this is uh, you might be put on a 10-year route so you have to do two and a half two and a half two and a half two and a half so there is uh, you know it's very important that when you do make the um, application for extension that you meet all the requirements if you didn't meet them then you may be put on a 10-year route and then it, it is very costly so if you 10 years then mm. so uh, yes that's what happens um, you know after the two and a half years before the expiry 28 days before the expiry you can apply uh, to extend um, uh, extension of your visa and then once you're given that extension, then after the five year, it's indefinitely to remain. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, listeners, we are speaking to Zafar. This is a spouse entry clearance visa requirements. Uh, and uh, the fifth requirement we spoke about is a requirement of an A1 English language test. Uh, probably needed by many of the countries, of course, that many of our listeners are probably uh, uh, from and may be wanting to bring a spouse over. There are certain countries which, as Zafar mentioned, may not require this. Uh, but again, double check that uh, with, of course, there's a list available. Uh, and I think the other thing which you mentioned, which is extremely important, is to make sure that uh, wherever you get this test done from, they are an accredited centre approved by the Home Office. Very important. Otherwise, again, you'll be wasting your time, wasting your money, uh, and those uh, that document will not be accepted. Now, going on to uh, requirement number six and the final requirement uh, in the spouse entry clearance visa. And then, of course, as mentioned before, uh, we will be going on to speaking about the visitors entry clearance visa uh, so the, the item number six or requirement number six is a tb medical test uh, what is this regarding yes um that is required uh, for people coming from asia and a lot of other countries there again there is a list the people who are exempt now what that test is um they test you um you know for tb uh, it's a medical test and they again it must be uh, done with a center that is accredited by the Home Office. Mm. Uh, and then they give you a certificate, which is valid for six months. Um, uh, and it just either you pass the, the, the medical test or you fail it. But, uh, uh, you know, the six months um, is valid for. So it, it is best uh, uh, to do that uh, near the time you're going to make the application. It's not like the English test, which is valid for two years. So, um, you know, with this one, uh, it is just a test um, whether you have TB or not. Um, um, there is a list on, on the uh, Home Office website which countries are exempt, but majority, uh, all the Asian countries are not exempt, and there are a lot of African countries that have to do it. Um, there are, um, um, like Saudi Arabia is exempt, there are countries that are exempt, like America, they're exempt, Canada, 
but you have to see that list. Uh, it's just a simple test um, uh, to establish whether you have TB or not. That's all it is. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, listeners, you are listening to the Ask Your Lawyer show. We're speaking with Awadir Zafar from Greystone Solicitors. We've just covered the six requirements for spouse entry clearance visa. Uh, the six requirements, just to quickly repeat, and again, if you do want to listen to them in detail, listen back to the show, check out our Facebook Live, and again, you can go back and listen at any time. Uh, the first requirement was the status of the sponsoring spouse. We have to make sure that you have the correct status, uh, otherwise, again, you uh, will not qualify. Uh, the relationship requirement of making sure that the relationship is genuine and subsisting. Uh, financial requirement, making sure that you meet the threshold. Uh, accommodation requirement, making sure that, of course, uh, there's at least a one double bedroom. Again, anything more than that is more than, uh, more than of course, suffice for making sure that you meet the requirement for accommodation. The English A1 English language test. Uh, it is valid for two years, which again, which is uh, a bit of a benefit where if you have taken it as long as you apply within the two years, that uh, will still be applicable. But again, reiterating, making sure that this is taken in a approved, approved, accredited uh, centre uh, by the Home Office because uh, otherwise it will not be valid. Uh, and the final requirement was for a TB medical test. A TB medical test, which basically uh, is again six months. This is actually valid for, uh, so maybe a bit uh, obviously a shorter time period. So maybe a bit more important to make sure you take this around the time when the application is being made. Uh, and again, very important to make sure that it's in a accredited centre, uh, because of course, if it's just generally taken by maybe from a hospital anywhere else, it will not be valid. It has to be a home office, home office accredited, accredited centre. So those were the spousal uh, spouse entry clearance visa requirements uh, we're going to go over to a visitors a standard visitors visa and again six requirements here uh, that we will go through and, and maybe some of the some of the things to uh, that we will we are required uh, for of course the uh, for a visitors visa and we will cover that if you do have any questions listeners it is of course zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two and of course you can uh, email us if you have any specific questions you can email info at inspirefm.org. Uh, just to reiterate what Brother Zafar mentioned in the first half of the show regarding free legal advice that is given at Greystone Solicitors every Friday. Uh, no appointment necessary, but there will be, of course, a first come first uh, scene. So you, you may need to wait, of course, depending on, on the rush on any particular Friday. But you can get free legal advice, whether that's immigration, family law, uh, or, of course, uh, uh, injury law. There's a, there's a number of different areas that uh, Greystone Solicitors specializes in so please uh, do check that out every Fridays uh, from uh, every Fridays from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. so let's carry on uh, regarding a standards standard visitors visa brother so again we've covered uh, a spouse visa so what, what exactly is a, a visitors visa for the UK Right. Uh, it's a, um, a standard visitor visa is for people who want to come uh, to the UK uh, for tourism, uh, want to visit family and friends, uh, um, want to ha get a, a private medical treatment, um, somebody who's uh, coming for some business trips or got some business appointments, uh, short-term uh, students, uh, um, uh, six months uh, students. Um, now, it is a temporary visa uh, for six months, and uh, um, these uh, these are the categories uh, that can come and visit. There is another one, uh, which is a visitor marriage visa, um, where if somebody wants to get married here, they apply for a visitor visa, get married, and go back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know they can do that, but you know it doesn't. You know, unless some people just want to get married and don't want. Can they uh, actually come on a visitor's visa, get married, and stay here? No, they can uh, come on a fiancé visa and then marry here and stay here. Okay. But but then that carries a lot of requirements with it. Whereas visitor marriage visa doesn't carry the requirements of English finance, financial requirement, accommodation. It doesn't. The the fiancé visa carries all that. Mm -hmm. Although the visa is for six months, but it carries all that because you know. Going, uh, you're going to marry and stay here and then apply for the two and a half year visa which you would have applied for the spouse visa which we've been talking about so with the marriage visa no they have to return they, they can't switch in country they can't say I'm and the visitor's visa is generally is it six months? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, it's six months. Um, if you if you um, uh, get one for less than six months, then you can extend it up to six months. You can apply for extension here. Um, it is uh, for six months, uh, and uh, uh, 
according the important thing you got to understand is that you can't do any paid work in that there are different uh, you can come for business you can come for short term study uh, visit friend but it's important that even if you're coming for bus uh, business appointments or conferences you can't get paid or you cannot get paid for them so one of the you'll be breaching the rules if you do paid work while you're here on a visa visa Excellent. Uh, so just quickly regarding the requirements, what are the requirements to apply yeah. uh, for a visitor's visa? Uh, the requirements are what they would look at is that you're a genuine visitor and you intend to go back. Uh, you you have got um, funds uh, to support you while you're in the UK. Uh, you have funds for your outward journey, which means to return to the country you're from, and you are not going to make successive uh, a visa application uh, uh, visits just to come in, uh, stay in the country. So these are the requirements, uh, you know, for the visitor visa. Excellent. And uh, again, uh, maybe uh, ill-intentioned it may well be, uh, but sometimes if somebody has come to the UK uh, for the visitor's visa for six months with the intention not to leave, uh, I assume uh, after six months you are now illegal in the country uh, and uh, if found you could be deported and I assume would impact any future applications you make to the country. Uh, is there any way uh, that the visitor, the, the standard visitor's visa uh, applicant who's come here uh, for six months is able to stay? Are you able to get an extension or is there any other way you can stay it's, longer? Uh, unless you are getting a, a, um, a private medical um, um, treatment, you, it's very hard to extend. But what, what you can do is you can apply for a three years visa, five years visa or 10 years visitor visa. But the important thing in this to understand is that you can only stay six months maximum at a time so you mm. go out some people don't understand that they they are under the opinion that it's six months a year no uh, it's six months if you're out of the country and you mm. come back six months start again so uh, you can but uh, but you know to to on a standard visitor visa to get extension it will be very very hard mm. uh, but you can you know once you're visited and you want to come for longer uh, to, you know you want to get a longer visa not come for a longer term because six months is a maximum Seven then maximum. you can get three years five years or ten years so in ten years you don't have to get visa again you come stay six months go come you know there's no uh, requirement to get a visa so mm. that so ideally if somebody uh, for example I mean, I've mentioned obviously Pakistan India Bangladesh yeah. maybe some of the countries our listeners uh, may be uh, frequently coming from uh, so if somebody has got a ten-year visa uh, they're obviously living their life in, in their countries uh, maybe business family whatever else they may have uh, but they may have family here so for that purpose of maybe having to come for marriage uh, purposes or maybe coming for maybe funerals or, or other family kind of uh, uh, celebrations as such or, or otherwise uh, they, they can they can obviously do that uh, literally have have a, a, a I would say a passport they've got the visa and they can frequently travel in those 10 years but obviously with no more no more than six months at a time yeah uh, I mean if they got a lot of family then that is the best visa to go, go for like you said marriages birthdays uh, you know few, you know any you know, and then they, they don't have to because every time you apply there's waiting time there's a fee there, so with that one they could just come yeah that would be the you know for, for people who've got um, you know a lot of family in the UK that is the best one to get extended although it costs more um, the uh, one year is um, um, hundred about hundred pound uh, three years is 375 and it goes up and up and up but it is worth it because you, you don't have to pay the fees again or get the visa uh, submit the uh, documents again it's very important when they assess uh, these visitor applications that you um, 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 uh, satisfy the immigration officer with your documentation that um, you uh, I mean one of the uh, we are going to go on to documents but uh, one of the uh, requirement is that you must have financial ties and family ties to the country you're coming from whoever it is now mm. financial ties are uh, your assets in that country your uh, uh, bank statement um, any rental uh, um, uh, properties uh, and 
and it goes on, the list goes on, you know, any um, assets like land. Uh, and the family ties are, if you're leaving a spouse behind, if you're leaving any family, then the immigration, uh, when they're assessing your case, they will have less concern that you're going to come here, go underground, or overstay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, uh, the, it's very important that you evidence those things. Otherwise, we see a lot of refusal because there's no appeal rights. You uh, have problems challenging them to the uh, in a judicial review to the High Court. <coughs> Excellent. Uh, just uh, quickly, listeners, just to remind you, you are listening to the Ask Your Lawyer show. We are speaking about a standard visitor visa. We have got our immigration expert, Zafar, from Greystone Solicitors. If you have any questions, it's 0779 or you can email info at inspirefm.org, info at inspirefm.org. There's two things I uh, just uh, wanted to pick up on, uh, Zafar. Uh, one was, of course, uh, just looking at uh, we may look at the, the documentation that's required for the standard visitors visa, uh, but also just before that, you mentioned just before uh, I came in that there's no appeal for a visitor's visa. So I know I know for a spousal visa, if it gets rejected, yeah. uh, there's a right to appeal. Yes. But is there no right to appeal on this at all? So any visitor's visa, uh, any visitor's visa application that's made and you haven't, uh, unfortunately, given the, the evidence required, you haven't met the requirements, you haven't given all the details, it will literally be a waste of your money. There's actually no no comebacks on this? Uh, correct, I mean, there is. There's no appeal rights. I mean, unless it was a human rights case, there's no appeal rights. But you can challenge it. And and the best way to challenge it uh, would be, um, I mean, the refusal may be that the uh, Home Office haven't considered your documentation because they whatever they refused it for, uh, that is in the decision. You can challenge it by a pre-action protocol. What that is, is a letter before claim. So you... Uh, you um, um, make the grounds according to, uh, you know, if they haven't um, uh, considered the documentation or whatever the refusal letter is. And then, uh, you know, in the letter before claim would be that if you didn't uh, consider these um, um, require, you know, the, the documentation, then we would be going for a judicial review to the High Court. Now, the judicial review costs quite a bit of money, but what they would do is they would uh, uh, review that decision two things they can do um, because your grounds will be in the pre-action protocol um, they can um, maintain the decision or they can overturn the decision now if they overturned it and granted you visa fine then they will let the the um, 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 the, the visa center they would ask the visa center in your country to to for you to submit your passport and then they would give you the visa now if they maintain the decision then you can challenge it by a judicial review and there are lots of chances that we've had where the home office have kind of uh, didn't uh, uh, maintain the decision, but when the grounds for the judicial review went, uh, they withdrew the decision, uh, they paid our costs, and they said, okay, we are. Uh, and if not, if your case is weak and you haven't submitted the uh, evidence, then uh, they know that judicial review won't succeed, and then it'll cost you a lot of money to go the full way. So uh, you can, or you have a option of reapplying. What mm -hmm. I say to people is, look, um, if um, you haven't submitted evidence and in the decision it states that, look, these are the deficiencies or you haven't explained where this £20,000 came into your mm. bank straight away. Mm -hmm. Now, now that is a concern. So you, in, in those uh, circumstances, it's best to address the refusal letter and make a fresh application, which we have been very successful in people where they've made applications and they didn't, you know, submit the required evidence. And But another important thing, uh, Brother Tariq, in this is that if you, I mean, a lot of applications are done abroad by agents or consultants, and sometimes they may omit information or don't provide the information. Now, if you don't, and that is a deception in the Home Office's eyes, then mm. you'll be banned for 10 years. So 10 years, you will not be able to, and I've seen a lot of these come up recently from, um, you know, from uh, Asia, one of the countries in Asia. Uh, we've had quite few people come to us to have the uh, um, decision letter and advise them on it. Uh, and they, they it, uh, I mean, I'll give you one example. Um, there were a, a client who came to us and he'd visited uh, UK twice. Now, the, the consultant or the agent who was uh, actually preparing his application, he'd only give him, gave him one passport, and the other passport had the other refusal on it, um, uh, visitor refusal. Now, 
you know, we ask, you know, every, they should have asked the client all the information because once you're drafting the application, they ask, have you visited the UK? How many times when? Now, he put in one uh, of the refusal, but he didn't put the other one. Now, the Home Office can see when your application comes, how many times yeah, you've tried. So they saw that and they banned him for 10 years. Now, we've got a, a PEP uh, outstanding where we've said that, look, this is what's happened, but he wasn't going to get any benefit by not uh, declaring that. So, so oversight rather yeah, than... Oversight, but you see that their rules are quite strict on deception. They said knowingly or unknowingly. You know, mm. they make it so hard the deception mm -hmm. rules. So, hopefully, we will get it over to. But it's very important that when the, the applications are prepared, all the information goes on it. Some of the information won't affect. You know, it won't make any difference to your application. But because you haven't put it, the Home Office is right. There's a 10-year and the, the ban. So it's Definitely. very important. Uh, unfortunately, we are running out of time, but we've got a couple of more questions I want to yep. quickly touch upon. We've got yep. two minutes left before uh, yep. we come to the end of the yep. show. Listeners, we are talking about a standard visitor's visa here on the Ask Your Luria show. Uh, so firstly, regarding, uh, you're just quickly touching upon, uh, you, I think you touched upon the process quite well there. Uh, the fees and, and how long does it, is the process for a visitor's visa? Pro right, the process um, for a visitor visa, normally about three weeks. Um, um, because of the backlog, it can take a bit longer or shorter but when there wasn't no backlog I'd say about two weeks uh, you can pay uh, a premium fee to have it considered before like five working days um, uh, and they will charge you extra money it's about 500 pounds and then it'll be done um, and uh, that is uh, the processing time um, it depends all on the caseworker who gets the case but normally I would say about three weeks uh, the processing time and what's the cost of the actual visa application the visa application uh, for a standard uh, six months visa uh, approximately £100. Why I say approximately £100 is because it, it depends on the exchange rate. It could be £95, £105, £100. And if you wanted uh, a, a three-year visa, then it's 375 and it goes up. So you can get um, a six months, three years, uh, five years, uh, and um, uh, um, uh, ten years, and they'll cost all different. So the process is that you make... Um, I'll, I'll go through the application process very quickly if you've got yep. a minute. Or, yep. Yeah, the application process is that you uh, draft a uh, application uh, visitor visa application uh, you uh, one and 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 you submit it um, um, pay the money uh, then you should be taken uh, to a website where you can um, um, uh, book the appointment to have your fingerprints done and then um, you will upload the documents to the home office that is uh, 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 the procedure in a nutshell yeah. I mean you have to do other things like cover you know all other yeah, things yeah. Lead, but that's that's the process no, no, perfect thank yeah. you so much um, and apologies to rush you in the end. Yeah. Wanted to get those final few little questions in for our listeners. Listeners, uh, I hope this uh, has been beneficial for yourself. Uh, it's definitely been eye-opening for me and, of course, uh, trying to find out, uh, of course, the various different rules and regulations around visitor visa. And, of course, in the earlier part of the program, we spoke about, of course, the spousal uh, entry requirements. So, again, very important topics. Uh, you can get free legal advice, as we mentioned before, from Greystone Solicitors every Fridays from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Do pop down. Uh, and, of course, uh, if you have any, uh, especially specific concerns around any particular applications you may make or, of course, intend to make uh, but for today's purposes just want to quickly say thank you so much for your time Razafar uh, it's been really good and hopefully I look forward to speaking to you again hopefully on, on another topic but thank you so much for your time today yeah, you're welcome and listeners you have been listening to the Ask Your Lawyer show uh, it has been myself Razafar here with Razafar and hopefully we'll be back with another episode with some very interesting topics thank you so much for listening today Zakir for listening Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.